If you want to uh, go ahead and turn back in your Bibles to the book of Psalms, I would encourage you to do so and turn to the 119th Psalm, Psalm 119. I want to look at just one section of this, if we could, this morning. Uh, This is a section of Psalm 119 that has been on my heart for several days now. And uh, I've already shared some of this with some of you uh, before this morning. Uh, I uh, dealt with this at the Bible study this week on Wednesday with the folks down at Lakeview, a portion of it, I should say. And then uh, when we met for Thanksgiving here at the house on Thursday, We always uh, uh, go around the room and each one will share a scripture or whatever, uh, expressing something they're thankful for. And I use this portion of scripture for mine uh, also uh, coming back to it again. And uh, so we're going to look at it again this morning if we can. So uh, the 119th Psalm beginning with verse 65. I want to look at verses 65 through 72. If you want to follow along in your Bibles, as I will read from mine, I'll go ahead and read this entire portion of Psalm 119, verses 65 through 72. The psalmist writes, You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge. For I believe your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I keep your precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of shekels or thousands of pieces of gold and silver. wonder if we might just bow before the Lord before we really begin to look at this portion of God's word. and If you would, as I seek the Lord in prayer, would you do so also, praying that God would be pleased to open our hearts to receive his word and that we might have understanding hearts this morning. Our Father, we bow before you this morning a needy people, a thankful people, but a needy people. Lord, help us this morning. Help us to see. Help us to understand more fully and more clearly your word 
Oh, Spirit of God, be our teacher today. Open the eyes of our understanding. Speak to our hearts clearly. Father, we pray that you might be pleased to remove every distraction, anything that would draw our attention away from your word and away from you. Help us to focus, Lord, upon this that we might benefit and profit and grow as a result of it in grace and in the knowledge of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Father, help us now. Help us, I pray. Be pleased, Lord, to speak to our hearts. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, we've we've just celebrated Thanksgiving, haven't we? Thanksgiving, as I've shared with you before, is is my favorite holiday of, of the year. I always look forward to Thanksgiving, and I'm always a little bit sad when it's past because I enjoy it so much. I enjoy just the thought of being able to concentrate upon the many, many things that we have to be thankful for, not just alone, but together with family and friends as we gather on Thanksgiving Day. And it's always a joy to me to be able to do that. And it's not just that it's one day out of the year that we're thankful. We know that. It's, it's just a reminder that we're to be thankful every day. And, uh, but I do enjoy Thanksgiving Day. But uh, as I was looking forward to Thanksgiving, uh, the Lord, I believe, directed me to this portion of Scripture. And it really spoke to my heart. And, and I trust that as I share some things with you uh, from this passage of Scripture this morning, that perhaps it'll be a blessing to you as well, or I hope that it will. But the psalmist begins here in the, in the 65th verse by saying, You have dealt well with your servant. And I, I read that verse and I thought, My, how true that is of me. God has certainly dealt well with this, his servant. God has blessed me so much. Uh, I want to share with you all, if I can, this morning, uh, just a few things that I am so very, very thankful for that God has done for me. Uh, now, I'm not going to begin to share everything that God has done for me that I'm thankful for, or we'd still be here uh, this time next week and maybe even longer because there's just so much that God has blessed me with that I'm thankful for. So I'd like to just kind of, uh, I, I think I've narrowed down to about four things that I want to uh, share with you uh, today that I'm especially thankful for. And uh, I trust the Lord will uh, perhaps make what I share that I'm thankful for a blessing to you 
as well as you reflect upon perhaps some of these same things. But uh, first of all, I think that I would have to say I'm thankful for God's grace. God's grace and mercy so freely bestowed upon me in and through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then secondly, uh, uh, I would have to say next to that, I probably am thankful for this lady sitting right over here, my wife, my helpmate, that God has blessed me with. She has been such a blessing to me for, well, 49-plus years now. And uh, as a matter of fact, she was helped to me just last night in, in a way that uh, was just a real blessing to me. Uh, I can't hardly write at all anymore. And uh, she came up to my study again like she's done several times in the past few months and took down a few notes for me as I dictated a few things to her. Uh, and I appreciate that so much. So that's that's just one of the very many, many ways that God has used her to be a blessing in my life. And that's just one of the many, many ways. But she's been a tremendous blessing to me, and I'm so thankful for her. And then in, along with her came all our children and grandchildren. And what a blessing they have been as well in my life. And I'm so thankful for them. And and then next, I would have to say, I think, is I'm thankful for you all, for the church, for God's people. I can't tell you what you folks mean to me. From the bottom of my heart, I, I dearly love each and every one of you. And I consider you a gift from the Lord to me. A blessing from God and I thank God for you every day and I pray for you every day and I trust the Lord's rich blessing will be upon you each day and and then one other thing that I am thankful for and it's the thing that this portion of Psalm 119 primarily I think is really all about and that's the affliction the adversity the trouble that God has brought into my life. Uh, now, a lot of people perhaps would not consider that something to be thankful for, but I, I certainly do. And, uh, and the psalmist makes it very clear here why uh, it's something to be thankful for. Well, let's go back, and if we could, for just a moment. And, and, and look at these things a little more closely. Uh, the first thing that I said I would like to share with you that I'm thankful for is God's grace. God's grace and God's mercy that he so freely bestowed upon me. And I say freely bestowed upon me. And that word freely that's used in the scripture, it, it literally means without a cause. That's without a cause in me. Uh, What God has bestowed upon me is totally undeserving. Uh, I, am an, I am a servant of the Lord, yes, but I am an unprofitable servant. As the scripture says, even when I've done everything that I've been commanded to do, I am an unprofitable servant. 
And yet, even with that being the case, God has dealt well with this, his servant. Dealt well with this, his servant. Justin has called your attention several times to a young man, a young preacher from Scotland who died at the age of 29, whose name was Robert Murray McShane, uh, a godly young man who not only was a godly preacher, but he wrote some tremendous poems. And one of the poems that uh, McShane wrote, uh, some of the words are, Chosen not for good in me, wakened up from wrath to flee, hidden in the Savior's side by the Spirit, sanctified. When I stand before the throne, dressed in beauty, not my own, when I see thee as thou art, love thee with unsinning heart, then, Lord, shall I fully know, not till then, how much I owe. Oh, that describes me. Nothing good in me. All the blessings that I know, all the blessings that I know, beginning with God's free grace in saving me from my sin, its guilt and its penalty, all of that freely bestowed upon me in Christ and because of what Christ has done for me. Oh, how thankful I am for God's grace and mercy in bestowing upon me such free grace. I was reading earlier some thoughts by a man by the name of Charles Simeon. And Charles Simeon said, salvation, and that's what I'm talking about, isn't it? Salvation being saved by the grace of God. He said salvation is the elevation of an immortal soul from the lowest state of sin and mercy to all the glory and felicity of heaven. Imagine that. Imagine that. And then he said, Thus will the poor and contrite soul be raised from guilt to peace, from sin to holiness, from the very gates of hell, even to the throne of God. I. And the scripture Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. Oh, how we need to remember what he did that we might have what we have. Paul would later go on to say he was made sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So we need to be thankful, don't we? I must be thankful for what he's done for me and his saving grace and mercy bestowed upon me so freely and not because of anything I've ever done or could do. Simply because of what Christ has done on my behalf. I wonder if, if you have 
that reason in your heart to be thankful today for God's grace in saving you from your sin. Uh, I hope that you do. I trust that you do. I certainly do. And there again, I'm thankful for my wife and my family and how God has blessed me with them. What a blessing they are each day, each day of my life. As I reflect upon how I see God working in their hearts and in their lives, drawing them unto himself, uh, teaching them, uh, maturing them. And what a blessing that is and how thankful I am for them. And then I think about the church, God's people, God's people, and how the Lord has been pleased to bring a people together, to unite a people around the truth, the gospel of God's free grace, and how grateful I am for that and for the mercy that we have in being able to meet like we do, like this, each Lord's Day. And the love that I see that we have for one another. And it's encouraging to me uh, to hear testimony from folks that visit our church from time to time and the things that they say that impresses them when they go away from visiting our church is the evidence of love that we have for one another. Isn't that something to be thankful for? Oh, how grateful we should be for that. How grateful we should be. And so I'm thankful for this church. So thankful. But along with being thankful, and along with God causing me to be thankful for this church, God has also given me a burden for this church. Perhaps you recall as Justin was preaching through the book of Ephesians in the fourth chapter of Ephesians. Uh, well, you may want to just turn there and look at it with me for just a moment. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 11. Where the Apostle Paul is speaking of the gifts that the Lord gave to the church. Verse 11, he says, He gave some to be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And why did he do so? Well, he says in verse 12, For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, 
for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we know that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness by which they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him which is the head, Christ. Speaking the truth in love. Paul includes himself in that, doesn't he? Talking about we. Speaking the truth in love. We are to speak the truth in love to one another. And sometimes, sometimes when we speak the truth, it hurts. Sometimes when we speak the truth, it helps. Sometimes it hurts those who hear, and it helps those who hear. Sometimes it hurts those who speak the truth, to speak the truth. And sometimes it helps. But it's always the honorable thing to speak the truth, isn't it? And so this morning, for just a moment, I want to speak the truth in love and tell you that I have a burden on my heart for each of you, for those of you who I love, that I'm thankful for. I have a burden on my heart for you. We recently, recently heard a great deal about how that we need to have the, the whole armor of God because we have an enemy. We have an enemy that we cannot resist and overcome on our own without the armor of God. So we need to be properly armed in order to stand against him. And that is, of course, the devil, right? Satan himself. He attacks us in ways that we cannot overcome apart from being armed with what God provides for us. And then there is the world. There is the world that stands against us. And there's the danger of being conformed to the world because there is the danger of our loving the world and the things of the world that we ought not to love. But why? Why do we have to be concerned about the temptations that come from the devil and the temptations that come from the world? Why do we have to be concerned about those things? Because the devil and the world have an accomplice that dwells within each of our hearts. And it's ourself.
It's ourselves. I was reading earlier this month Octavius Winslow Winslow said, the idolatry of self has been the great and universal crime of our race. The great and universal crime of our race. He said, in the soul of the regenerate, divine grace has done much to dethrone this idol and to reinstate God. The work, however, is but partially accomplished. The dishonored and rejected rival is reluctant to relinquish his throne and yield to the supreme control and sway of another. When I read that, Grace, I thought about what your dad used to always tell me. And Wayne, the flesh dies hard. The flesh dies hard. That's self. Self dies hard. Self just doesn't want to give up, does it? That old self, that old self that we all idolize and love so much. Oh, it still lingers in our heart. Self-esteem and self-confidence and self-love. And from all of this, God, our Heavenly Father, who loves us seeks to wean us from it. From our own wisdom, which really isn't wisdom at all, is it? It's foolishness. Our own wisdom is foolishness. From our own strength, which is really weakness. From our own wills. From our own wills. Which are. Bound. Our own ways. Which are crooked. From our own hearts which Jeremiah so clearly tells us are deceitful and above all things desperately wicked. Desperately wicked. God seeking to wean us from our own judgments, from our own ends, from self. From self. that we might learn to rely upon his wisdom, trust in his strength. John Newton. John Newton said that monster self has more lives than a cat. It's more than 25 years since I hoped it was fast nailed to the cross, but alas, it is alive and still mixing with and spoiling everything I do.
I found that to be so true in my own life. Everything I did. The flesh. And I have a burden on my heart for each of you. That you might be aware that you have an enemy within. It needs to be put to death. And he won't die easily. Paul said he had to die daily. Had to die daily. Well, I thank God for you. And I thank God that the burden I have for you, I can trust him to take care of on your behalf. And I pray that he will. I pray that God will enable you and show you Well, there's one other thing that I want to to deal with here this morning that I'm thankful for in my life. And that's affliction. Affliction. The psalmist said here in this psalm, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I've kept your word. I'm sure that most of you are at least somewhat familiar with some of the portions of God's word that that speak about affliction and adversity and trouble and where it comes from and what it's often called and it's various terms, often called chastening, isn't it? And the discipline of the Lord. All the way back in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, the 8th chapter of Deuteronomy, in verse Scripture says, so you, so you should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. That's kind of quoted in the New Testament, isn't it? Somewhat. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. Can you look there with me in Hebrews chapter 12? This is perhaps the more familiar passage that deals with chastening. Hebrews 12, beginning with verse 5. 
where the apostle says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then are you illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Oh, to realize why he's doing what he's doing in our lives, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening, he goes on to say, seems to be joyful for the present. And certainly we realize that, don't we? But grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Oh, in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, one of the seven churches, the church at Laodicea, the Lord Jesus said, to them in chapter 3 and verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten or discipline. As many as I love, I discipline. Well, I can say from my own experience that before I was afflicted, I went astray. I was a believer, yes. I was a Christian, yes. And was I deliberately uh, going astray? Was I deliberately doing things that I ought not to do? No, not really, but just in my ignorance, if you will, I was doing a lot of things wrong, thinking that I was doing things right. And so the Lord brought into my life some things to get my attention, some affliction, so that I might better keep his word and better know what it was that God would have me to do and how to do it. And a little bit later, in verse 71, he said, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn his statutes. That I might learn his statutes. I found in some of my reading, as I was thinking about how God used affliction in my life when I went through cancer and the sickness that I went through, how God used it in my life to teach me some things that I know I would have never learned in any other way without it. Some of the reading that I was doing in, in preparation for today, thinking about today, I found that I was, I, I've been in pretty good company, really. Uh, Mr. Spurgeon, Mr. Spurgeon said, if we would be scholars, we must be sufferers. If we would be scholars, we must be sufferers. 
He also said God, God's commands are best read by eyes wet with tears. Martin Luther. Martin Luther said, I never knew the meaning of God's word until I came into affliction. Affliction, he said, is the theology of a Christian. And I've always found it one of my best schoolmasters. And how true I found that to be in my own life. God has used affliction, illness in my life greatly to teach me things that I know I would not have learned in any other way. How grateful I am for these things the Lord has taught me and shown me. Undoubtedly, God's not through teaching me yet. I trust there's more the Lord has to show me and that God will continue to use affliction to do so. I believe it was Charles Bridges They said, is there one of that count, even one of that countless throng surrounding the everlasting throne who has not sung, it is good for me that I have been afflicted? And even one, he said, is there even one of that countless throng surrounding that everlasting throng in heaven that has not sung that song. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. Well, let's see what the answer was from Revelation chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. He said, Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who came, who came out of great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. All came through great tribulation. Through great tribulation. I wonder if if you've encountered any affliction in your life, any trouble in your life, any difficulty in your life. I wonder how you're reacting to it. Let me just encourage you to remember this. 
if you would, by affliction, God is separating the sin that he hates from the soul that he loves. Separating the sin that he hates from the soul that he loves. Would we not be thankful if we realize that? God separating the sin that he hates from the soul, the eternal soul that he loves. Oh, I have so much to be thankful for. The psalmist concludes this portion of the psalm by saying the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of pieces of gold and silver. What God has given to me is worth far, far more than anything this world has to offer. All the gold and all the silver in this world is nothing compared to what God has given me. How thankful I am. The Lord has dealt well with this, his servant. And he's done it because of Christ, because of the Lord Jesus, and for no other reason, for no other reason, just Christ. What a humbling thought. What a humbling thought. Everything that I have to be thankful for, I owe to him. Everything. How about you? How about you? Well, we don't have to wait to next Thanksgiving Day To consider these things, do we? To be thankful most of all for He who has blessed us with all that we have to be thankful for. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you. Thank you for your blessing. Oh, thank you. Help me, Lord. Help me to be like the psalmist who cried out, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his who heals all my diseases and forgives all my iniquities. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How can I ever thank you and praise you enough for what you've given me?
what you've done for me in Christ. You have dealt well, Lord, with this unprofitable servant. And I'm thankful. Thank you for this church, these wonderful people. I pray for them. I lift them up before you, praying that you might strengthen them and enable them, Lord. Enable them to stand against the wiles of the devil. Enable them to overcome the world by the faith of the Son of God. And, oh, God, give them victory over that idle self. Oh, Father, grant us all victory over this old man, this old man of sin. Strengthen us, Lord. Strengthen us. Help us to stand, stand strong in the faith. To encourage one another to live for your honor and for your glory and for that alone. All of this I ask in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, the Lord.